Brent, Angela, what do you think when you think of dating apps? I don't know anything about dating apps. <laughs> I've been married for 100 years. I myself have never used an online dating app, but I understand it a little bit. Like, I understand mm-hmm. not being able to meet people through conventional means. Especially during COVID. I mean, oh, yeah. My partner and I met on a dating app. Hey! Shut up! That's yeah. fantastic! Awesome. So you can find love. You can find love, yeah. What was your experience like, Brent? Can you talk more about it? My experience with dating apps was very brief. I signed up for this dating app like, t- you know, 10 years ago or so. And my now partner is the first person that I met and the only person that I went on a date with. Okay. Brent is a catch. This is the most amazing dating app story ever. Yeah. You were one and done? One and done. In and out. On and off. Whoa. All right. We got to give it up. Because this is by far <laughs> the most that amazing is, that dating app story. That is not the story for that is not the story. tons of other people. <laughs> no. You make it look so easy. I don't know how it happened. It was, I don't know. Oh, that's awesome. Online dating has fundamentally transformed how we meet people. I want to know how what people want in a dating app can help translate into the type of experience that technology can speak to, specifically Mm. containers and Kubernetes. I have a feeling that you were using this as an excuse to talk about (laughs) containers and Kubernetes. You got me. Perfect segue. All right, then, let's do it. This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat. I'm Brent Semino. And I'm Angela Andrews. We're here to break down questions from the tech industry, big, small, and sometimes strange. In each episode, we talk to Red Hatters and people they're connected to. Today's question, can Kubernetes, yes, Kubernetes, help people find love? Let's check in with producer Kim Wong and find out. So, Brent, it sounds like you had a stellar experience with (laughs) online dating. So I wanted to ask you this question. Okay. What are some things that you think people who use dating apps could benefit from? Some things that they need. So from my very brief and very limited experience 10 years ago, um, (laughs) I think people who are looking to dating apps need two things. One, they need to be able to get a sense of people. This is sort of like your profiles. So you need to know, like, all these people are available. They're looking (laughs) for love just like you are. You need to be able to get a, a sense of who they are, right? The second thing that I think people need is some sort of way to talk to each other, some way to message. So once you decide that, hey, we like each other, or hey, we're interested, or hey, maybe this might work out, and we've both agreed on that, we would like to talk together. So some sort of messaging function. Right. So 
if I'm hearing correctly, you're, you're saying that the most important things are for people to be able to identify themselves as a yeah. person who is looking for a connection and yeah. to be in a pool of other people who are looking for the same Yeah. and for them to be able to connect in some way. Yeah. And then, you know, I think all the other, you know, basic things that go along with like apps which is like usability and you know you don't want the thing crashing all the time and like <laughs> all of that stuff because you know there's probably nothing more frustrating than you know looking for love and then your app crashes <laughs> i wanted to know how these habits and needs translate into the development cycle to answer that question i spoke with someone with extensive knowledge of application development. Hey, my name is Nick Stilau. I work at uh, Red Hat in OpenShift engineering uh, and manage teams across the world building container platform based on Kubernetes and other open source technologies. I asked him if Kubernetes could help people find love. You know, I sure hope so. You know, Kubernetes is about kind of helping you automate a lot of things and, and make that more accessible. Originally kind of spun out of Google with the tagline that it was Google's infrastructure for everyone else. And I was lucky enough to meet my now wife of 10 plus years in college. But I hope that everyone doesn't have to go to college and take on student debt just to meet somebody. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> Nick and I discussed the types of challenges and demands that guide the development cycle. When a company deploys something, there's always a fear of failure. Something goes wrong, the app does not go to market on time. But in the case of something like a dating app, there can also be a fear of success. Imagine a dating app launches a very successful marketing campaign. It goes viral, and suddenly, there is a huge amount of new signups, new people using the app. If a team isn't prepared for that level of success, that many new users all at once, the results can be challenging. On the day you should be uh, patting yourself on the back, you're doing everything you can to keep the servers online. So I think the trick is, you know, you don't want to pull in all those infrastructure concerns early in the application development process, but you have to think about them a little bit. And so I think that's where Kubernetes comes in and containerization, that they can be part of a technology strategy that enables your team to focus on its core competencies and differentiators while knowing that out of the box and along the software development lifecycle, you're better set up to handle those scale events if and when they happen. That's really interesting because I think I've always thought of like popularity as being a success in right. a lot of ways, and it is, yeah. but I can, I'm kind of now understanding that that also causes a lot of work. <laughs> and yeah, it does. You have to, you know, that fear of success, the line that he said, you have to make sure that the infrastructure that's running your application can handle that success. The ability to scale your application during these really high peaks is really important because you go up, you know, people, you're successful, you're popular, and everyone's signing up. If you don't have the ability to scale, you're, people are going to talk. You're not going to be able to get all of the mm. signups in this instance that you'd like. So the fear of success is real. 
is potential success something that people plan for in advance? I guess, like, I, mm-hmm. I think, like, hypothetical success, is that something that people plan for? I hope you're not planning for your app to be dead on arrival. I, like, I, I hope not. <laughs> right. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking dead on arrival. I'm talking about, like, a, a big spike in users signing up. Oh. Absolutely. Like unexpectedly, like you're you're sort of planning for that. Like you're planning for something. You're yeah. planning for some level of interaction with your application. That's the target that you're trying to hit. Yeah. But there are times when you can't imagine. Yeah. How popular your application is going to get. So the infrastructure that your application is running on may not have taken that into consideration. Like you consider the the best case scenario, but sometimes. The success of your application can well surpass that. So how do you, how do you deal? You have to have the infrastructure that can scale. Scalability is just one part of it, right? Okay. We also want to talk about availability, like making sure that the app is available when users want to use the app. That's kind of important. When are people looking for love? Are they looking during work hours? Are they looking after work? Are they looking mm. in the morning? Are they looking mm. on their commute? It's important not just to know like how an app is being used, but also when people are using it. Because yeah. understanding those peaks and valleys, like you were talking about, Angela, is really key to an application's success and management. You know, now the way we consume products and technology is so kind of driven by, you know, what we see come across on our on our mobile phones or what our friends doing and we see in their feed. And, you know, I think that generates more dynamic and less predictable engagement models. And so that creates kind of different challenges for business, especially that are kind of playing right in those emerging consumer experiences. And so I think there needs to be some different technology to support those businesses. Okay. So we've got our successful app. It's seen a lot of adoption, which is good. What's next? Nick says rolling out new features, updates, and getting them to market is vital. But what's even more important is getting them to market on time. After all, a person looking for love doesn't have time to wait. So I th- we, we kind of talked about some of the use cases, the kind of fear of success use cases where maybe you've already built the application and you kind of get that viral moment where people are coming to your platform, logging in, trying to use it, and you want it to scale and stay up. Another big part of the story, though, is about supporting innovation and time to market. And a lot of that relies on that same level of standardization and dynamism with your infrastructure. So in this case... If you have a lot of different ideas, especially in these emerging uh, user experiences, people are trying different ways to connect with customers and users, trying different features, experimenting. It's important to have a platform, an infrastructure that platform that can support that experimentation and that innovation. And with a, a proper approach, you can really accelerate both your time to market and the ability to experiment with these different features and user experiences. So what I'm hearing is it's not just about, you know, the ability to scale and have high availability and but to be able to have 
a place where people can test out these new features safely. And, you know, yes. you don't want to bring things to market before mm. they're ready. Yeah. So you need an, a platform that allows for that level of usage, for that level of uh, consumption, right? You need to make space for people to have, you know, test and to innovate as well as push into production. It supports both user experience and developer experience. What you just said, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like all of these different elements that we're introducing are all kind of like coming together. It's like you have like your mystery date and they're behind a curtain (laughs) and we're like listing out all the different like aspects about their personality and we like want to pull the curtain back to reveal who it is. That's what I feel like right now. Who is it, Kim? (laughs) Well, let's summarize. Okay. So development teams need standardization. They need uh, a place to test their new ideas and new features for the application. They need the ability to scale really quickly, and they need to make sure that their their app can get to the people that it needs to get to. So all of these things considered, I think a good match for a dating app, I wanna I wanna know if Kubernetes can be that mystery date. Are we going to swipe right on Kubernetes? I don't know. I am swiping right now. I don't know. I I mean, I want to find out. Let's find out. So I spoke with Clayton Coleman, distinguished engineer at Red Hat. He knows Kubernetes. I have my software engineer and architect and general explorer of new and exciting ideas at Red Hat. I I've worked on Kubernetes uh, for a very long time uh, through uh, the open source community and my contributions there, as well as through Red Hat's uh, product, OpenShift, which is built around Kubernetes and is also an open source project. He gave me a brief primer on Kubernetes and how it works. Kubernetes is a system for, or is a piece of software that runs other software across lots of machines. And so um, anything, any website that's big enough needs to run a whole bunch of software and a whole bunch of different types of software. And there's all these services and tools out there that make running big software, big websites possible. Kubernetes is one of those pieces, and it kind of handles the how do you roll out versions of that software? um, How do you scale it up and down? Uh, And that's really where it's gotten its name is it helps big companies and big websites and uh, big organizations um, run lots of software and run it all together uh, efficiently. I am still having trouble tracking a little bit. He describes it as a piece of software that runs other software across lots of machines. And I'm still, someone help me out. (laughs) Can we say it a little more plainly? Sure. If you've got 100,000 friends and uh, you could write each individual letter by hand, but it'd be much more efficient to write the letter packet and then have somebody be like, well, here's my list of friends. Can you go make sure that this same letter makes it to all my friends? That's what Kubernetes does. Now we know a bit about how Kubernetes works. Brent, does that make more sense? I think I'm starting to track a bit more. Yeah. Wait, just remember, Kubernetes is not just for big organizations and big applications. Kubernetes is also for smaller orgs, smaller apps like infrastructure apps. Don't forget that. Absolutely. So then how would it affect the performance of a dating app? 
Clayton gives us a detailed explanation using traffic as a specific example. If you need 10 instances of your software in Europe to handle the demand of a, a 9 p.m. on a Friday where everybody's looking for love, and then, um, you know, come 4 or 5 a.m., you know, you're moving westwards. Um, you know, you're now dealing with New York. And so thinking about this is you don't need as much of that capacity there. You need to make sure that New York's fine. And you can always run lots of stuff all over the world. But the bigger you get, and dating websites are, you know, some of the biggest websites there are, that costs you money. And so if you're trying to be successful in love uh, as a business, you definitely need to think about the bottom line. So it helps to be able to say, well, I need 10 here now. And in a couple of hours, maybe I only need five or three or two. And then in New York or in the West Coast or in Hawaii, if you're lucky enough, or Japan, you can kind of follow the sun. So Kubernetes basically makes it as simple as possible to say, well, I need five of these. Well, I need one of these. What a great analogy. Looking for love. Or Everyone. as Eddie Murphy would say it, looking for love. I was just like, as soon as he said it, I was like, oh my God, I can't unhear that. Everyone's looking for love at 9 p.m. on a Friday in your yep. local time zone. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you have to, but if you're building an app, don't you have to think about those things? You do. Oh, yeah. You do. And that's the, but that's the whole thing is like, this is also like a, a cost to the business as well, right? Yes. Like if you're yes. not using your resources mm -hmm. efficiently, that costs money. Oh, yeah. And Kubernetes eases that cost burden because yeah. you only use what you need where and yep. when you need it. That's right. So I wanted to kind of bring in security into this. Please do. Security is such an important aspect of what users want in a dating app. Clayton explains a little bit of that. You're always making changes to help users, but you're also going and saying, oh, you know, this there's a bug in this software or there was a bug that could be a security issue in this software. And I need to roll it out. And containerization and standardizing how you roll out this software is a great thing for that. Because if you're really good at rolling out software, it's no big deal to fix, to update the dependency, run it through your automated test system and roll it out to production in a safe and reliable manner because you're doing that five, 10, 100 times a day. So that kind of repetition, that's one way that containers help security. We discussed new features and how important it is for them to deploy quickly. Clayton says Kubernetes can help coordinate things like bug fixes and feature rollouts. You know, usually when you've got a big new feature and there's, you know, there's different types, you got a little bug fix on a single page of the website, and then you've got, I'm adding video chat. That's a big feature. You might need 10 or 15 people working on it. That's a new service, and it might be loosely integrated. And one of the things about Kubernetes that makes it really powerful is, yeah, Kubernetes is helping you roll out bug fixes to your existing stuff. But if you've got a completely new type of function, like a web, a video chat, and that's a new team and a new service, that team can kind of onboard and they can be testing video chat before everybody sees it. So, you know, Kubernetes lets you get the environment set up and you can go be testing it for a limited set of users, like your beta users or your internal users. I think we hit all the points. We hit scalability and how, how Kubernetes helps um, Check. applications scale. We got that. We got availability. Check. We mm -hmm. got uh, security even. Check. And we got uh, bug fixes, maintenance, and new features, rolling those things out, rolling out updates. Check. So check we check. got, <laughs> yeah, check, check, check. We got all of those things. 
that, you know, we can pull the curtain up and see who our, how our sweetie is behind the curtain. And it looks like it could be Kubernetes. Like, I'm really happy. Who else knows that song? Is it the dating game? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Good thank work. You. Yeah, Good yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kim. You know, we've been talking about dating apps, but I, I think if I remember correctly, what got you interested in this is really how like user needs affect the choices of like how we develop apps and, and products. How are you thinking about that now? Well, I feel that dating apps have a lot of different functional requirements and a lot of different unique challenges, right? You have people who are looking for prospective partners at all hours of the day in different time zones, looking for different types of people in different geographic areas. There's so much that goes into availability, scalability, um, basically being able to turn features on and off and test them very quickly and efficiently. Those types of things are what developers need to think about when they're trying to evaluate which types of technology would be most beneficial to them and their teams. Yeah. And those needs that you just mentioned and that we've been talking about this whole time, those aren't necessarily unique to dating apps. Right, Angela? Yeah, not at all. These things hit across any type of application running anywhere, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like this is how the fancy chocolates are made, you know? Um, (laughs) There are all types of different uh, unique business challenges that companies, both big and small, have that Kubernetes can speak to or other open source technologies can speak to. And it's all a matter of just evaluating needs, evaluating where your users are and what they want, and then responding to that with the proper technology or platform. That is so true. Yeah, it's like not enough for something to be like the newest or hottest technology, you know, like it's really you have to make choices based on something other than that. That's right. You know, Kubernetes is one of those things that if it doesn't make sense, if there's no context Mm. for you to understand it. You just, it's this word, it's this buzzword, it's just out there in the ether. But this conversation really brings it down to what folks can relate to. Yeah, I I mean, I bet there are so many different types of applications that could benefit from Kubernetes. I agree. So let's hear from our listeners. Tell us what comes to mind by hitting us up on Twitter at Red Hat using the hashtag Compiler Podcast or on Instagram at Red Hat. Let us know what other apps are out there that could benefit from it. We'd love to hear it. And that does it for this episode of Compiler. Today's episode was produced by Kim Huang and Caroline Craighead. Victoria Lawton may not be able to help us find love, but she certainly helps us find our way. Yes, indeed. Our audio engineer is Elizabeth Hart. Special thanks to Sean Cole. Our theme song was composed by Mary Anchetta. Big, big thank you to our guests, Nick Stilau and Clayton Coleman, for sharing their time with us. Our audio team includes Lee Day, Laura Barnes, Claire Allison, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, 
Karen King, Boo Boo House, Rachel Ertel, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, and Laura Walters. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. Or, you know, talk to us on the socials <laughs> using the hashtag CompilerPodcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Jeff Ligon. I'm the director of engineering for Edge and Automotive at Red Hat. The number one hesitation that I think folks have about Edge is that they assume they're not ready for it. They think that it'll mean starting over from scratch or that every time their business needs to change, they'll be re-engineering solutions and re-evaluating vendors. And look, Edge is complex and it does mean a different approach, particularly for devices at the far edge. But with Red Hat, it doesn't mean starting over with new platforms. We've taken the same enterprise solutions that simplify and accelerate work across the hybrid cloud and optimize them for use at the edge. So you can manage your edge environments just like you do the others. Come find out how at redhat.com slash edge. <laughs>